Amen. Thank you. Excellent singing. I hope it is well with your soul today. Uh, Psalm chapter 23 tells us that he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I hope your soul is restored this morning. Have you ever worked on something for a long time, but were never actually able to accomplish it? Anybody like that? I've been there. Maybe you ran out of time. Maybe you didn't have enough money. Maybe you just lost interest. Maybe you gave up. Maybe you didn't have anyone to help you. Maybe it was a hobby or a job. Uh, I know lots of people who have started a budget and then never accomplished it. <laughs> they wrote it down on paper and it all looked good on paper, but never accomplished it. Um, for me, it's been exercising. <laughs> Put a lot of time and energy into it and uh, never actually continue it. Uh, I know a lot of people who have invested a ton of money into exercise equipment, and it is the best coat rack in the world. They never actually use it, okay? All kinds of different things. I think if we think about it long enough, most of us would have something that we've worked on, uh, we've worked hard at, but we've never really got to see it fully to completion. And I think when we look at these things, at least when I look at these things, I feel like a failure. Um, if I ignore them, I don't feel so bad. But when I look at them, I feel like a failure. I'm like, man, why can't I do that? And we were actually talking about that a little bit this morning in our small group. Some people really have a, have a, have a difficulty starting something, but once they start it, they're going to finish it. Um, I tend to be the opposite. I can start a million things, but I struggle to complete all of them. And I, I want to, but I just often can't. I feel often like I'm a failure. I feel like I'm not good enough. I do feel like I gave it everything I could. I do feel like I gave it as much time as I could muster and all these different things. And I, I do feel that way, and I worked hard at it. But I just couldn't make it happen. I feel like I'm not good enough. So Mark chapter 5, if I didn't ask you to turn there, I'm, I apologize. Mark chapter 5 is an entire chap chapter on people who tried everything they could do and failed. Tried everything they could do and failed. They put all the kinds of time, they put all kinds of effort, they put all kinds of money into this particular thing and failed. We'll see even that they put as much religion in as they could and failed. It's an entire chapter on people who exhausted every resource that they had. They had no one else to turn to. They had nothing left to try. And yet their problems were still left unresolved. Have you ever felt that way? You've done everything you can do, but yet your problems are still left unresolved. You feel like you can't do anything else. So I want to take a look at these three stories today. Because each of them represents a different portion of our lives. Each of them represents a different portion of our lives. So number one, I want to show you the demonic spiritual need. There's three stories. There's one, the demonic spiritual need. This story is found in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. It's very simple. This portion of a story tells about a demon-possessed man. He lives in the tombs. Uh, they, they tried to uh, basically bind him with chains. They tried everything they could. He lives in the tombs, in the caves of the mountains. Just very simply, he was in a real spiritual war. 
demonic spiritual needs. This is representative, if we're going to put it into our lives, this is representative of our spiritual lives. Number two, there's dead religious needs. This story starts in verse 21. This portion tells a story of a ruler of a synagogue. That, that phrase, ruler of a synagogue, is going to be very important. He is a religious elite. He was often found with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was often in charge of making sure that the right people were in place to pray and to serve and to read the, the Torah at that time. He was in charge of making sure all of the religious things were ready. This portion of the story represents our religious lives, our religious lives. And thirdly and finally, no, I'm not done preaching. Don't get excited. Just starting. The third story is the debilitating personal needs. We find this story in the midst of our previous story, and it's actually found in verse 25 to 34. But this portion tells the story of a lady who has what's called an issue of blood. An issue of blood. She had a severe physical problem, one that was really debilitating. And again, if you will, this story uh, represents our personal or our physical lives. Each a different area, each a different story, but we want to get down to one point this morning. Now, while we're looking at these stories, while we look at these three different stories in Mark chapter 5, I want you to notice three distinct aspects of each of them. They have three things in common, and there are three distinct aspects of each story. Before we get there, let's have a word of prayer. But Father, thank you again for all you do for us. Thank you for this time that we can spend. Father, would you draw our attention to your word right now? Help us to focus in on what it is that you'll give us from your, your word this morning, from this passage. And Father, may we leave here different. May we leave here changed and convicted because of what you say through your word today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Three distinct aspects of each of these stories. Number one is the depth and desperation. The depth and desperation. The depth of the problem. The desperation of the problem. Let's first look at the spiritual problem. The demonic spiritual need. Look at verse 1 of Mark chapter 5. The Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. We know this man as called the maniac of Gadara. And when he was come out of the ship, he being Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. This man's spiritual problem was causing him a great deal of physical damage. People were trying to wrap chains around him. They were trying to do everything they could do to tame him, but he would break the chains. And I don't know if you've ever had fetters put on your ankles. I have not, praise the Lord. Um, maybe someday I will, I don't know. But uh, those things are not easy to get off. But he would break them. He was so strong that he would just break these things asunder. 
But not only that, there was such an inner turmoil that he began cutting himself. You can see that in verse 5, cutting himself with stones. He wanted to do himself physical damage so that the inside spiritual damage that was going on would somehow relinquish. His life was literally falling apart. I, I don't know if he was a first-class citizen in the city of Decapolis where he's from, but all we know is he's not any kind of citizen now. He's feared. People don't like him. He and others had tried everything they could do to try to tame him. They had tried chains. He tried cutting himself. There was nothing nor anyone who could do anything to help him. There was nowhere else for him to turn. He was not living in a house with his spouse. He was in the caves and in the mountains because he had no one left to help him. He was completely and utterly spiritually defeated. If you will, he had a spiritual battle literally destroying him. The demonic spiritual need, the depth of the problem, the desperation. So you may be sitting here or listening to this this morning, and this may not sound exactly like you. You would never raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm demonically uh, oppressed. I, I, I have a demon inside of me. You may not say that, but maybe you sit here this morning and spiritually you're hurting. Spiritually you're, you're struggling. Maybe you would even rather hurt yourself physically to deflect what's going on inside. You may be trying to get drunk often so that you forget all your problems. You might look like even you're happy on the outside, but internally you know you're being torn apart. You may even try to do drugs to forget your problems for a while, to mask the pain. But inside, again, you're still in great turmoil. You may even try to be happy. You may even think, well, the next relationship, the next person will make me happy, or the next drink, or the next high, then I'll have what I'm looking for. But no matter how many drinks you take, no matter how many drugs you take, no matter how many pornographic videos you watch, no matter how many relationships you have, doesn't matter what it is, you keep trying and trying and trying, but inside, spiritually, you know there's a problem. And you just can't seem to get the problem to go away, no matter what you try. And honestly, you can see yourself getting worse and worse and worse. The problem is real, and quite frankly, you don't have anywhere else to turn. Maybe you are sitting here listening to this and you're just desperate this morning. That's the depth and desperation of the spiritual problem. Look at the depth and desperation of the religious problem. Verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, being Jesus, he, being Jairus, fell at his, being Jesus' feet. Jairus comes and falls at Jesus' feet. And besought him greatly. Can you picture this? This man runs up to Jesus, falls down, and beseeches Jesus greatly with as much passion as he can. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. 
the depth of the problem is we don't find this here in Mark, but in Luke chapter 8, we find out that this is the only daughter of this man. She's 12 years old. And she's not sick. She's deathly sick. We'll find out in a, in a little bit that she is moments away from death. Please come help me. The depths of the problem. Now I want you to understand, again, this man was a ruler of a synagogue. We talked last week about the publicans and the Pharisees, remember? The publicans were sinners, they were tax collectors, they were bad, bad people, they would rob their own people. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were a religious elite, they knew the law, they were the doctors and lawyers of the law. This man is a ruler of a synagogue. The Bible does not tell us that he was a Pharisee, but he was hobnobbing, if you will, with the Pharisees. The Pharisees would say, hey, ruler of the synagogue, these are the things that you need to do. And they were kind of his elite, his boss. And Jesus often condemned the spiritual elite. He would often condemn them for their outward practices, yet inside they were full of dead men's bones. Hey, outwardly, you, you guys look good, but inwardly, you are as dead as empty religion. Again, this man only had one daughter. She's 12 years old, and she is so sick that she's at death's door, moments away. This man, again, think about this. Your friends are the Pharisees, and you know how the Pharisees treated Jesus. And you know how Jesus talked to the Pharisees. Imagine the religious turmoil he must have been going through. He would have probably been asking himself these questions. Have I done something wrong? That my daughter lies sick? Did I forget to keep part of the law? What, what am I missing? Did I forget to sacrifice for something? Did I forget something this week? Do I have sin in my life? He would begin asking himself these questions. Then he would begin asking himself, well, what would my peers think? I don't know if you've ever gone through a difficult time and you're struggling and somebody comes up to you and says, you must have sin in your life. Well, we, we religious people are really good at that. And no doubt he's thinking, man, what are my peers going to think? Uh, I, I'm going through this very difficult time and my, my peers are going to wonder, have I sinned? Have I done something wrong? Just like Job's friends did. Surely you've done something wrong, Job. He begins to ask himself these questions. He must have had a religious battle going on inside of him. Again, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you sit here in church every single week, but you feel empty. Maybe you're trying to use your religion to change people. Maybe you think religion is the answer to all my problems. If I just come to church, all my problems will be fixed. Maybe you think that everybody should believe just like you do. Maybe you're scared to ask for help because someone might judge you. You know you're struggling with something. Maybe you've been trying to get a family member or a friend to come to church, but you just cannot convince them. Maybe you've been going through the motions of being a Christian, but you just feel dead. Again, the problem is real, and 
You really feel like, man, if I can't get it from church, if I can't feel alive from church, then what am I going to do if I can't feel good from my religion, if my friends won't help me, if my Christians won't help me, if I can't do anything, maybe you feel desperate. Maybe you feel frustrated. The depth and desperation of the problem. And then let's look at our lady with a personal problem, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, watch this, 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Man. 12 years spent every penny that she had. Nobody could help her. She's been sick. This must have been extremely taxing. No relief from the problem for 12 years. Literally, in her mind, in her body, there is a fight going on for life and death. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And if you have an issue with your blood, it's just a matter of time. She had done everything. Maybe you've got something like this going on for you. There's all kinds of sickness, diseases going on. In our world today, it could be cancer, could be AIDS, could be heart disease, could be high blood pressure, could be COVID, could be uh, shoulders or back aches. I mean, listen, the list could go on and on and on of physical, personal problems that we have. But hold on, it doesn't have to be just health-related. There could be other things personal going on in your life. Maybe it goes for you to stress. Maybe anxiety, maybe depression. Maybe it's a financial problem or a relational problem. Maybe it's a family problem. Maybe it's a church problem. What about a political problem? Oh boy, don't touch that nerve. You're trying everything you can. You're working hard at finding a solution, but you just feel like you don't have anywhere else to turn. You've done all you can. Maybe you feel desperate. There's a depth to the problem and there's a desperation to the problem. And because of this desperation, because of the depth, they had nowhere else to turn. They had done everything they could do. So look at what they did. When you have nothing else to do, you need to do one thing. Look at, they all reached out to Jesus in humble submission. Number two, first of all, we see on the depth and desperation. Number two, I want you to see the word deference. I just had to have a D word, okay? Deference. Deference literally means humble submission and respect. Humble submission and respect. Okay, let's go back to the spiritual problem, verse 6. But when he, being the demon man, the demoniac, when he saw Jesus afar off, watch what he did. He ran and worshipped him. He's got nowhere else to turn. He's got nothing else to do. And what does he do? He sees Jesus afar off and beelines it to him and falls down and what? Worships him. He gets down on his knees and worships God. Humble submission and respect. Let's look at the religious problem. We kind of read part of this, but jump down to verse 22. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, watch. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet. He got down on his feet and said, and besought him greatly. God, I can't do this. 
I need you. I've tried everything else. My religion can't help me. I need you. And then look at this lady with a personal problem, verse 33. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Previous to this, she just reaches just to touch the hem of his garment, the the bottommost part of his garment. She reaches just to touch. She just comes to Jesus kneeling. Literally every single one of them run to Jesus in desperation. And they fall on their knees to him and listen, they literally surrender themselves to him. They had nowhere else to turn. They had tried everything they could try. This is the last desperate chance that they have. They have nothing left. They can't do it anymore. They're frustrated. They're angry. Their daughter's going to die. No one can help them. No human being can help them. But hold on. Jesus can. Jesus can help. Please don't miss this. If you are in a spiritual problem today, you're struggling inside, you're hurting, you've tried everything else that you could possibly try in this world, can I encourage you, reach out to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. If you're living in a dead, empty religion, and that could be Bible Baptist Church, you're just going through the motions and you can't even help the people around you, can I encourage you this morning, reach out to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. If you're facing a physical or personal problem that cannot be solved by doctors, lawyers, politicians, or yes, even truckers, reach out to Jesus. Whatever the situation, reach out out to Jesus. You're in the habit of writing things down. Write this down. Jesus is the answer to every problem we have. Write it down. Mark it down. Jesus is the, pro- the answer to every problem that we have. Write it down. Jesus is the answer to every problem that we have. And if you're sitting there today going, no, he's not. I've tried it. I've been there. How can, how can Jesus change anything? Just listen for a second, okay? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I want you to see not only is there the depth and desperation, not only is there deference, but number three, there's deliverance. There's deliverance. Look at the spiritual problem, verse 13. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, says, get out of here. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea, and they that fed the swine were angry. And verse 15, and they come to Jesus and said, Get out. And they see him that was possessed with the devil and had legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. They were afraid. He healed this man took care of his spiritual problem we find out a little bit later in verse 18 and when he was come into the ship he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him jesus i just want to come with you he now had somebody in his life who he could run to every single time it was jesus jesus gave him deliverance what about the religious problem we find this at the end of the chapter look at verse 41 
Bible says, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise, watch. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. You read back, we actually find out this, this little girl died. She actually died, and Jesus said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And they, the, I, I love this, this is just a nuance of the story. Uh, they, they begin, they're actually weeping. When Jesus walks in, they are weeping. And when, uh, verse 39, when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? Why do you keep going on and on? And they're weeping and going on. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Watch this. Verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. Now, I don't know about you, but can you go from weeping and in a moment go to laughing? Very difficult to do, right? So that makes me think that they weren't necessarily fully caring about this lady or this little girl. They were just there putting on a big show. Again, the parents are there. The parents are fully understanding what's going on. She's dead, and they get to go into the room with Jesus. And watch as Jesus raises their little daughter from the dead. Listen, again, religion often just puts on a show. Religion just has certain things that it does, but listen, Jesus produces results. Jesus delivers this little girl. What about the lady with this personal problem? Look at verse 34. And he, being Jesus, said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus delivered. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus will deliver you from your spiritual problem. Hear me. Jesus will deliver you from your spiritual problem if you will just run to him and trust him. Jesus will deliver you. You just have to come. You just have to trust him. How does he do it? The Bible tells us that Jesus has already delivered us from our sin. Our sin is the problem. Our sin is the spiritual death. The Bible says that sin always brings death, for the wages of sin is death. So what do we have to do? If Jesus has already delivered us from sin, what do we have to do? Just come to him. Just come to him. Jesus wants you to come to him. He already paid the penalty of your sin, a death on the cross. His blood was shed for you so that you don't have to die. You have to come and trust. We have to trust that he's already accomplished it. Listen, nothing else can take care of your sin. Nothing else can take care of your sin. If you're a Bible student and you've spent some time studying your Bible, you go back through and you look at the sacrifices that were made. They would take a burnt offering and they would sacrifice a lamb or a, a goat or a, an oxen or something to that effect, some kind of animal, and they would sacrifice that animal to cover their sins. But guess what? They had to do it all the time. 
every time they sin. Listen, Jesus takes care of all our sins. Our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. They're buried in the depths of the sea. Jesus will take care of your sin problem. He will take care of your spiritual life. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus can give you meaning back to your life. Jesus can help your religious need. Do you know that Jesus can help your friend or family member? Listen, you may not be able to get them to church. You may not be able to convince them that what they're doing is wrong, but you know who can? Jesus can. Jesus can do that. Jesus can deliver you from vain, empty religion. How? If you'll just run to him. Listen, Bible Baptist Church does not exist for Bible Baptist Church to exist. We don't want to just be here. Listen, we want to bring people to Jesus. We want people to see Jesus. We don't want people to see John Yeomans or Mike Holland or Levi Tyrrell or anybody else who stands on this platform. We don't want that. We want people to see Jesus. We don't want people to come in here to say, wow, nice decorations or wow, terrible carpet or whatever you say. Listen, we want people to come here to see Jesus. So if you're sitting in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus or maybe you've forgotten about Jesus and you're just going through the motions, can I tell you, reach out to Jesus. Come back to him. Jesus is the entire reason that we live today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Man-made religion is not why we are here. Man-made religion is not why we are here. If someone needs help, publican or Pharisee, we should help. Publican, Pharisee, ruler of a synagogue, it doesn't matter. Guess what? Jesus is, the biz- is in the business of delivering. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus can heal sickness. Hear me. Jesus can heal sickness. Jesus can help you with your anxiety. Jesus can change the heart of a king. Now hear me. Just because Jesus can doesn't mean he always will. Don't miss that. Jesus will, Jesus will heal your spiritual need. He will. He promises that he will. Jesus can give meaning back to your life. He will give you meaning. He is the meaning. But he can. He has the power. But he doesn't always choose to help us physically. You see, then what's the point of this message? Hold on. Jesus doesn't have to heal your cancer. Jesus doesn't have to heal anything. But here's the deal. He said that he will always be with you. He will always walk through. In fact, the Bible tells that he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
So trust me, Jesus can. Jesus spoke the world into existence. Jesus healed this lady. She just touched his clothes. He has the power to heal you. But just because he has the power doesn't mean he always will. But here's the deal. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, but sometimes we leave him and forsake him. Well, I've already tried Jesus. I've already tried him for my anxiety. I've already tried him for my depression. And the more I understand, the more I'm depressed and the more work I have to do and so on and so forth. I've prayed to Jesus to heal my cancer or my heart disease or whatever it might be and he just doesn't seem to take it away. Sometimes we try to solve our problem on our own. I'll take more pills. Do more. We forget all about Jesus. Let me ask this question. How can Jesus change the problems in this church? You might be sitting here today thinking, there is no changing this. How can Jesus change the problems in the church? Here's the problem. We all focus on what's going on instead of on him. You want to know how to change a problem real quickly? Everybody focuses on him. I use this song all the time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful faith. And guess what? The things of this earth, I don't know how it works. They just grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because he's so amazing. Because he is so awesome. All this other dim, don't, oh, dim-witted stuff goes strangely dim. When we all commit ourselves to Jesus and let him change us, every person does this, Jesus is the answer. When we trust him for the results, (laughs) we don't like trusting Jesus for results, do we? We don't like trusting. We, we want to make sure we do it. We want to make sure we change it. We want to make sure we get the credit for it. When we don't get, when we, it doesn't happen, we get angry. And I encourage you, the problem, the change that needs to happen in our church is Jesus. You say, Pastor Jones, we're here to worship Jesus. Everybody focus on Jesus. Let me ask this question. How can Jesus change the problems in our country? If you don't believe there's a problem in our country, then you got your head buried in the sand really far down. I really, I mean this with all sincerity, I really don't care where you stand. I'm not, I'm not here to discuss that. How can Jesus help that? James chapter 4 and verse 1, I don't necessarily have you turn there. One through eight, reference why there's problems. Why there are wars. Why there are fightings among us. Here's the, here's the reason. The lack of Jesus is the problem in our country. Let me say that again. The lack of Jesus is the problem in our country. The lack of Jesus is the entire problem. When we don't have Jesus and we don't submit to his will, guess what we have? Wars and fighting. 
James chapter 4, if you want to look it up, look it up on your own time. It will always be there. Jesus is the answer. You don't you want how to, how to fix political problems? Jesus. Jesus, every single time. You want to know how to fix any problem? Jesus is the answer to every problem. Knowing him. Maybe ask this question, how can Jesus help my stress? How can Jesus change my stress? I'm, I'm naturally a worried person. I'm naturally a depressed person. It comes easy to me. I've been diagnosed with depression. How can Jesus help me? This is difficult, and I would love to spend an entire 12-week series on this. And I know there's a lot more involved in this, but here's, the, here's just the bottom line. Learn how to trust him. Learn how to trust him. I know it's not easy for some. I know some people trust easier than others. Some people worry more than others. But listen, it's a learning process. It takes a lot of learning. But as you can see in these passages, three people, three different backgrounds, three different problems. Guess what they did? All three of them trusted Jesus. It's going to take time. You'll have to learn it. You'll have to walk through it, and there's much more involved, I understand. But hear me, Jesus is the answer. So I don't, I don't care who you are today. I don't care what background you're from. I don't care what your religious status is. I don't care. Won't you come to Jesus today? The problem with everything in our lives is that we've gotten our focus off of Jesus. At what point are we going to say, I've tried everything else. I've done all I can. When are we going to turn our eyes to Jesus? If you're in a spiritual problem, won't you come to Jesus? If you're in religious turmoil, won't you come to Jesus? If you have a personal struggle, won't you come to Jesus? Just reach out to Jesus. Most of us want to do, reach inward and find more strength inward, more determination, more grit. Listen, stop trying to do it on your own and reach out to Christ. He is the answer to every problem. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, I pray that every person in this room, every person that hears this message online would reach out to Jesus. No matter what their problem, no matter what their views, no matter what their background, Father, no matter what's going on in their life, they would reach out to you. Father, your will would be accomplished in their life. Father, if there's one here that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that today they would know that. If there's somebody here that's struggling with a spiritual problem, Father, they've tried everything they can try. pray that today they would reach out to you. Somebody who feels dead in empty religion, Father, I pray that today they would reach out to you. Any of the other personal needs. Father, would you please help us to reach out to you. And that you would work in our lives. That you would change us and mold us to be in your image. 
Now you'd be pleased.